We are It's More Than Just a Chant. We are inspirational creators, difference makers, world changers, and we are one community. Join alums Jared and Ross as they uncover stories of Penn Staters and their unique professional and personal journeys. We are Penn State, and this is Lion Legacy. All right, episode number 31 of Lion Legacy. And Ross, we got to reminisce about the first Penn State game of the season, which we were at with our good friends, John and Andy. And man, it feels like a long time ago. Yeah. But just remember, we started off the winning streak. We were there. That's the right. Coach Franklin talks about being 1-0. And after that game, which we were in attendance, they were 1-0. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We So we promised you in, in in the previous episode that we would get to this. And so Labor Day weekend, the four of us, Jared and, and myself and, and two other friends, John and Andy, we took a, a trip. We started out in Chicago. We made it a true sports weekend. We actually uh, hit up Wrigley Field on Friday afternoon. We had never been to Wrigley before. So that was fun to see a Cubs game for all those baseball fans out there. And then we drove on up to Madison. And, and we were there for the weekend. I'll tell you, University of Wisconsin was a nice campus. It was a cool dynamic. I compare it to State College in that it's, it is a college town. You have the campus, you have the surrounding town, but then it's also the capital of Wisconsin. So you have the Capitol building there right in the middle and some other like courthouses and, and, and businesses. So it's a little bigger than State College per se, but nice looking campus. Yeah. I will say a couple of things, a couple of observations. Student Union building. Hard to beat, right? Yeah, right, oh, yeah. Right, yeah. On, right on the water, right on the lake. I'm not so sure I would want to be there in December, but for Labor Day weekend, yeah, ooh, that was that's a it's a nice place to be for and sure. I, I don't know if people realize that, but Madison, if you look on a map, it sits right on a lake, and so that student union is right, and they have a, it's called the terrace, and they have tables set up there. You can get some food, and it's really cool. Let's just imagine like the hub being on a lake. Beautiful. Yeah. I can't imagine how cold it is, though, in December. Yeah, exactly. Like, we, we, we were there in front. September, and we're like, this is nice, but how about a month from now? <laughs> crazy, crazy. And, and I'll also say, stadium, it's not Beaver Stadium, right? No. Which we knew. It's big, but feels there's a little bit too much concrete for me. I will say, jump around. Yeah. Very cool yep. to be there for that. Yep. And overall, to your point, right, just nice campus, nice city. Friendly people for the most part. I think they, yep. they welcomed us. We we got a couple boos, but no yeah. one was too aggressive. Yeah, some of the nice. students heckled us along the way. But, you know, I mean, it all in good fun. Boo, Penn State, the usual. Exactly. And there, was next- a good, there was a good turnout. There was there was a lot of Penn State folks there. Right? I mean, we were walking around before the game around the stadium, a lot of blue and white, which was good. And I'll, I'll also give you one other comment from the, the the jump around. While it was going on, I was filming it on my iPhone, and I don't think that does it justice. You know, I don't think it does it justice. When you see it on TV and they zoom in on the student section, it's cool to see. But when you're there in person, and it's literally everyone jumping. We love tradition, no matter what school it is, and that's a, a really cool tradition. Yeah, completely agree. And next year, we're going to Auburn. We got the yeah. house already. We're going at yep. Auburn. Yep. Hopefully, take care of business there. We are what two and zero on on the away games. Yep. We were in Maryland a couple of years ago. We were going to go to Virginia Tech last year, but COVID got in the way. Yep. Hit up Wisconsin, and so next year down to Alabama. We'll have more to report a year from now in terms right. of our experience there. 
And we're just happy that Penn State came away with the win, you know, one, so we didn't get heckled after the fact. It's a lot easier to get heckled after your team has won. It was nice to come out of there. It was a bit of an ugly game at the beginning, but it was good to see the Lions pull it out. Exactly. And and speaking of football, kind of yes. works right into our next guest. Yep. We've got a former Penn State cornerback, star player, went on to the NFL, Mr. Justin King. Yeah. So Jared and I spoke with Justin King this week. And so he runs us through a lot of the questions that you would expect of, of, that you would want to know about being a, a student athlete in college, football player, especially. We talked about that. We talked about what he's up to these days. He's got his own company. He's going to tell us about that, what his mission is, what he's uh, offering to his clients. We get into a little bit more about just the generally the the hot topics of college football and what his thoughts are on it. And it's always good to get that perspective. I mean, you know, Jared, you and I can sit here and we have certain thoughts, but he, as a former student athlete, can has maybe a bit of a different perspective. So it's a great conversation. We're glad to see he's doing great things. And it was a, it was a fun conversation. Yeah, I just have a ton of respect for him and not only what he's done on the field at Penn State and the NFL, but, you know, how he's created a really great career for himself and has always just looked for opportunities. And he knows his expertise. He knows where, you know, his lane is and has come up with some really great solutions. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, enjoy the episode. Grab your crown. We're going to speak with Justin King. All right, let's welcome Justin King, 2007 Penn State graduate with a degree in sport and fitness administration. As many of you know, Justin was a star cornerback and went on to play in the NFL for the St. Louis Rams, Indianapolis Colts, and his hometown team, Pittsburgh Steelers. After his playing days were over, Justin worked for the Cleveland Browns in ATI physical therapy before heading back to Penn State to be a recruiting coordinator for the football team. He was the manager of football operations and player personnel for the XFL before starting his own company, LIG Sports, in March of this year. Justin, we fondly remember watching you on the field for so many years. It's a true honor to have you on Lion Legacy. Uh, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Hey, Justin, as soon as we checked out your company, LIG Sports, and the website, you had us guessing on the name. So first, you got to tell us, what does LIG stand for? What does it mean? LIG stands for life is good. Pretty simple, straight to the point, right? And the overall concept and the, the mission is to approach the sports industry or your path in sports with a life is good mentality. A lot of times in competitive sports, professional coaching all the way up, it's pretty stressful, right? In college, you're looking for a scholarship. A lot of guys have a lot of pressure, whether it's coming from your parents, whatever the case may be, living up to the expectations. Same thing when you get to college, NFL, and like just having that mindset of taking it all in, living in the moment, and life is good. And from the administration leadership standpoint, we provide services, whether it's finding staffs, staffing people, and consulting jobs for football ops, diagnostics, and recruiting operations. So like when everything's flowing smooth from a leadership standpoint and uh, from a macro uh, level, like at a league office, so life is good. Like when XFL kicked off after we did all our work and everything was moving, it's like life is good. So it's pretty much the essence of what the group wants to provide its services to the football ecosystem or the sports I, world. I love that. I may have to use that LIG. I'll, <laughs> I'll credit you though for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> so elaborate a little bit. So tell us a little bit more. What are the, I guess maybe a little more of the specific offerings when you have a client, I guess a team come to you and, and they're interested maybe in a, a certain portfolio of, of offerings or maybe a specific service. What's the output? What are you giving to them? 
Absolutely. So like the main idea of the business is to provide Intel guidance and perspective to different clients throughout the football ecosystem, not only administration or organizations we start at with the football players. We've got football players, coaches, the administration. So if we want to start with the players, I have a thing called Blue, Blue Chip Academy where it helps give educational guidance and recruiting through the recruiting process, how to get recruited, how to like make the transition from eight years old, well, not eight years old, but eighth grade, 13, picking the right high school and how to go through the process, hitting different checkpoints and what to look for and how to navigate the recruiting process. And then we do special projects in the football ops space in the college area, which is kind of you know, the Lockdown U Blue White Collective, which is being developed right now, where it's going to be the pretty much e-commerce merchandise wing for to support Penn State athletes. Right now, Lockdown U is kind of a proof of concept type of thing and getting the buy-in from the players and seeing how everything works and just showing how to build a brand within you know, a network like Penn State and provide, hopefully build it up to where you can provide those services for all Penn State athletes. So that's a situation and we get up to the specialty sourcing aspect that's pretty much finding the critical points within football ops departments whether you got the director of football operations director of player personnel director of football administration and football the football assistant coaches the football industry is very fast paced people lose their jobs very fast and a lot of times when you're looking for the next client or the next coach so it's a limited pool when you're pulling from sometimes from some coaches, from my experience at XFL and different places, and just provide to be proactive with providing talent the same way we do off the field with personnel. We're recruiting guys for three years and NFL recruiting guys, same thing off the field, understanding who's out here to make the next hire or the next thing. So do that for filling out the position, the positions all through the football departments. Is this something you thought of? like many years ago during your playing career? I know you just started this in, in back in March. So my whole playing career, I always wanted to be an athletic director, right? Like I grew up as a coach's kid, so I had a pretty unique look at the football ecosystem. I started off at eight years old working as a ball boy for Duquesne University, sitting in meetings and talking about players from that level all the way up from being a player to working in the sport, working outside of sport, having some business experience. And then getting a unique chance to work at the XFL and literally do a startup football league with shared services with Vince McMahon and see it like so it's like it's being able to go fast in a startup uh, concept with big corporate infrastructure behind it and seeing all the nooks and crannies and gaps through the ecosystem. So to answer your question, I had an idea of wanting to be a GM going through it, but then I started seeing gaps as I went through that I feel like I had a unique viewpoint on and started shaping it up as I, as I went through my football journey. I love and, it. Yeah. Some, yeah. some of the best ideas come in, come that way, right? You kind of yeah. go on that journey and you observe and you're saying, okay, I've got a solution here. Very cool. Right. Speaking of the XFL, I know, unfortunately you hit some hard times with COVID. I'm curious based on your knowledge and being in the sport, what do you see for the future of another football league outside of the NFL? Well, I think football leagues are extremely difficult. The thing that's really disappointing about the XFL is that we were rolling. Everyone thinks back to it and it's all COVID happened and it just gets chopped up as another failure of a football league. It was a successful league. Like we started a spring football league and actually changed the rules. Like we, we sped up the play clock to 25 seconds. Like the whole kickoff was completely different. We had probably the coolest overtime rule that no one was able to see at full access to the coaches. And a lot of things like 
in a normal football situation, you're not allowed to try. You were able to throw up against the walls and see the stick with actual professional guidance to make it digestible for fans and having a lot of background research on fans and like what they want out of the football game. A lot of that intel helped lead to some of the nooks and crannies that I've seen in my business as well. So when I think back to it, it's hard to say that another football league would work. I think there's always a, there's an appetite for football. That's the thing. But when you start getting to the business of football and the, the operations and the insurance is very expensive to operate a football league. But I think you can always provide something where guys want an opportunity to have closure to their closure to their career or open up the door. Like you have something like the spring league. I think something like that can do its three, four games a year to give some guys film. Cause there, there is a, a group of guys in the football ecosystem that can actually, that can play football that haven't had a chance to get filmed. Something may have happened and they get lost in the, in the shuffle. And there's not an opportunity or a platform to get filmed. And that's what we saw. We were able to see at the XFL was like, we can build a whole football league of, really good player like Tyler Heineke that quarterback in for the Washington football team like he was a quarterback with us you know I mean a backup quarterback for that matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like the guys are out there when you give opportunity and put infrastructure around we were able to give infrastructure because we had a 500 million dollar pot which I don't know how many people want to start a football league with that so I don't know if someone comes up with that maybe (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I, as a football fan, I remember, you know, I want when these other like competitive leagues come up, I always give it a chance. I want to check it out. I'm always intrigued. I'm like a rules nerd. I like things, you know, that are a little bit different than what you're used to. And so I, I felt like that iteration of the XFL felt like it had a good trajectory. It's just really a bummer that it started up right before COVID and that, like you said, just cut it short because I feel like that had a chance to stick and and people love watching the game all year round. And, and so when you're not competing in the fall, then they have a chance to be the the game on TV. So right. it's just, it's a bummer. It's, all, it's a big what if, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. a good story. Yeah. <laughs> so Justin, we have a great partnership with the Daily Collegian. And every episode we we reach out to them and, and they there's a student that submits a, a question for us and for our episode. This week, we have a, a question that comes to us from Liz Daly. She's a senior studying public relations. And she wants to know, after your football career, did you feel prepared for life outside of being a professional athlete? I don't, that's a good question. I don't think you can truly prepare for life outside of a professional athlete. I think you can have tools in place that you can activate. Like I feel like I had those tools to fall back on and regain the core things that are me. There's a level of identity that you lose when you get done, when you get to the professional level, you make some of money, that's something that you're doing for extracurricular fun from eight years old to 25 or whatever the case may be when that time ends, that transition, emotional transition, identity transition is always going to be difficult. It's just having those tools and, and skill set in place to be able to build up after that transition and find your next mountain to climb. And I felt like I did have that a lot to credit to my switch. We've been staying in my family. And I imagine further to that, that you also had, whether it be former teammates or your family, of course, or other friends that helped guide you as you were moving out of the football world and ultimately into the business world. I guess you can tell us about that, what your circle uh, looked like. Absolutely. Well, my, my, my dad, Terry Smith, he was definitely instrumental in my, in my transition. I always knew what I wanted to do. I had teammates. I had a sergeant that kind of was done playing football and, and exploring the different avenues in which um, 
to go in. I know I didn't look, I know I wanted to work in front office, but then it became, how do I get in there? Like, how do I do that? I want to maybe work in college. It was a close-knit group. I utilized a lot of the NFL programs, whether going back to, I went back to school, to my Miami, Florida, to get my master's in uh, sports administration. Yeah, I mean, so continue to sharpen my tool, my skill set, and uh, hone in on the things I need to do, get me disciplined, find a new my new structure, you get done playing football, everything's laid out for you. So trying to recreate the things that I knew how to do, again, that skill set and you know, basics that I had to try to build it back up. Yeah, you hear, I feel like you hear a lot about that structure and then one day not having that structure. And I right. imagine even at Penn State, it was like class, football practice, film room. We were at Penn State, but really only our structure, Ross and myself, was going to class. Then it was like right. free time, and you had a very structured schedule. Yeah, yeah. It was always structured, right? Like, always down to, it was probably getting more trouble if you missed breakfast than if you missed class. I was always like a joke in, in the football building. <laughs> well, that's because we had the breakfast was over at Pollock at, you know, 8.30 or whatever the case may be, regardless of what time you had class, you had to check in at breakfast. So a lot of times that started your day, which I believe was the most important point of the day. But even if you didn't eat, you were up, and it was more... It took more work to go home and go back to sleep than it was to go to class or whatever case may be. So having those different points in your schedule and maintaining your focus, right? Because I don't think you can really manage time but so much, but managing your focus and staying on point with everything was definitely key at Penn State. <laughs> yeah, that's that's got to be intense. Very yeah. intense. So I want to switch uh, and get your opinion here. So something that actually wasn't around when you were in school this past summer was the introduction of NIL, and for our listeners, that's name, image, and likeness, giving student athletes the opportunity to get paid by brands and companies. Right. What would be your advice to student athletes today as it relates to NIL? My advice would be to focus on your craft, use ancillary services to help build your brand, not too much worried about going out and searching for somebody to partner up with, make people, make brands come to you. So like put a team around you that knows what they're doing so that you can focus on your craft at hand and treat it like a business. At this time, you're a CEO of your business and you know, you gotta go into your specialty and do your thing and let everybody else manage that if you're gonna take care of that space. And that's that would be my thing to an athlete. You have to be a professional and that whole thing, but focus on your craft because that's one brand. Uh, great uh, advice. Yeah. How much do you wish that was around when you were playing? Name, image, and likeness. Yeah. Do you <laughs> do you look back and say, "Oh my God, I could have made X amount of money in 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 college"? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was as, yeah, as you should, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It was also beneficial to understand the landscapes and where the money. Understood. You understand where the money is and how it moves, and now being outside of it and working in it and knowing where to capitalize on it for those guys, understanding, hey, that's not the thing that you need to chase, but you should actually, if you want to do something, put people around you and have services kind of help you build your thing. Because at the end of the day, brands don't really want to associate people really want to buy jerseys of players that aren't performing well. Justin, as you grow your company, is that something where, you know, you, if you'd like to, are you have any interest in gaining a certain level of expertise in NIL to help your like teams that you're working with? maybe advise their, you know, student athletes on this topic? Is that like a, an well, interesting? A hundred percent. I kind of do that now on a, on a, on a, on a three minutes basis, but right now it's actually 
put a product in place. Like when I talk about Lockdown U, it's actually showing what that looks like with the product around a group of guys. This unique situation because I recruited these guys. So I knew coming into the season, okay, we're to put resources around something. So on the back end, business structure, we're a little more confidential to be like, all right, this is how we need to go about the NIL. So to your standpoint, yes, I feel like the business will continue to go into the NIL from a high level standpoint. Yes. Yeah. I want your perspective on something else just because you have a lot of knowledge. If someone gave you the ability to change one thing about college football today, what would it be? You're, you're the man uh, in charge. If I'm a man in charge from college football, let's go. Let's stay on the field. Game, game. Okay. Play. I don't want to get into anything. That's fair. That's <laughs> yeah. fair. Gameplay, I would speed up the play clock. I think, you know, sometimes the game and the rhythm of the game is a little too slow. I would speed the play clock to kind of get the, so guys don't have to go to the sidelines and do that whole thing. And I think the overtime, I'm just might be partial, but our overtime at the XFL that was created by Sam Schwarzman um, with the Stanford is the center for Andrew Luck created an overtime that I still think has been the best overtime in football. We just talk about fans because it's pretty much like a soccer shootout. Instead of doing your overtime from one side of the field, from the five or whatever the case may be, it's five five tries from this side of the field and from the opposite end, of end zone. And you just talk about from the business aspect of it, when you have end zone, like premium seat tickets, like, you know, you go overtime in the game, one side of the Phil gets to see it and no one else from the other side. Let's have a both sides doing like a round robin, like back and forth from each side, rapid fire, and then kind of coming, looking like a soccer or a hockey shootout. I think that in college sports with the fandom can add a new level of something that we were just wishing to happen at the XFL. We were just trying to build that college football atmosphere at 2.5, even 2.0. <laughs> I like it. It's like when the college football changed the rules around where you get the each team starts from the 25 and you go back and forth. I feel like that was a bit revolutionary, so to speak. Right. The old rules have been in place for so long. So, hey, who knows? Maybe someday they'll take it a step further and go in that direction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now, same question, Justin, but now for the NFL, right? Say you're the commissioner of the NFL and okay. you could change one thing about the game on the field. What would you do there? Oh, well, see, like if I'm the commissioner of the NFL, I think I got to serve my owner. So I, I got to think about bringing money in the door. This is something that Whaley used to talk about at the XFL. So one of my jobs at the XFL was like quality control during the games and listening to both head coaches and the teams, like their communication. So we had live mics through all the receivers, all the, the quarterbacks to the, to the TVs and everything. And it would be a great idea if the NFL had a premium subscription that was X-rated, uncut, where you can hear the coaches talking to the quarterbacks and the defensive coordinators and everything else, similar to how ESPN does with Peyton Manning. Mm -hmm. But just imagine live uh, fan, ultra fan access in the game, listening to the play calls, listening to them going back and forth and listening to everything. I think that would be pretty cool. I would implement something like that. Excellent. I'd watch yeah. that. Jared, what yeah. do you think? <laughs> I'm in as well. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay as well. I'll pay. Yeah. yeah. That's right. All access. All access. Yeah. Hey, uh, Justin, you alluded to this earlier, and, and I want to hope we have our facts here. So your father, Terry Smith, you mentioned him. He so mm -hmm. went down a rabbit hole. So for the listener, Terry Smith played for Penn State in the late 80s into the early 90s, and he's currently on Coach Franklin's staff. He's the associate head coach, defensive recruiting coordinator, and the cornerbacks coach. And then not only that, but you mentioned you were the coach's kid. 
And so he was your coach when you were in high school. Yes. So do yes. I have everything correct so far? Everything's on the money. Okay. I wanted to make sure I, I did right by you. So I guess, the, the, so ultimately the question is, so what was it like to have him by your side in your early playing days, but then also to have that same close connection to Penn State that you have? I mean, through my whole life, it was, I mean, I can't put a value on it. It's invaluable. I'm not sitting here today if it's not for him. I went through like the football ecosystem with a guide and someone, a guide that empowered me and gave me the codes of the nooks and crannies and how like the process works, how to perform the right mentality to go after my dreams and being able to provide focus. I think a lot of people that want to go after a dream as a kid, a lot of things come in, whether you grow up, peer pressure, it's a level of focus that comes in. He provided me with focus and guidance. And I, I and to the point where I, and I can't put it into words how much he influenced just my journey through football. When it came to picking a school, he just laid out the roadmap of how to navigate and how to evaluate schools, to be honest, which he never really pushed me towards. We were real close growing up. Like when I was a ball boy, like young the ball boy, he was a coach, like just all the way through. So I understood coaching philosophies. I understood coaching communication. I understood the relationship between a coach and a player, that it was a reciprocal relationship that the player had of a responsibility to the coach and a responsibility to the player. Like from a young age, wins and losses, it was never really extracurricular. Like wins and losses matter because that's his livelihood. Like so like how we perform there is like how we do. So long story short, just my whole mentality on football, how I view it from a business standpoint, being able to navigate the football ecosystem, knowing the codes and how to navigate it the right way and as a professional, I credit it all to him. <laughs> That's fantastic. And great to see you come full circle back on, on the coaching staff, which is great as well. We touched a little bit on Penn State, but we're going to go even deeper and we're going to put you now in the Lions Den, brought to you by our friends at Lions Pride and reminisce about your time in college. And just remember when you want to show off your Penn State pride, visit lions-pride.com for the latest and greatest apparel and merchandise. All right. So, Justin, so Jared and I were actually at Penn State a little before you. We were there from 2000 to 2004, and which was some tough years for the football program. We had one one bowl game that we will remember, the, the Capital One Bowl in 03 with Larry Johnson. and the, the, Unfortunately, it was a tough loss. But then shortly thereafter, you and Derek Williams and some other very highly touted recruits came in to bring the program back. You were the nation's number one cornerback coming out of high school. You easily could have gone to any top program. So yeah, I guess you touched upon it before, how Terry helped try to help you figure out what the path was, but ultimately what made you choose Penn State? Um, consistency. Obviously, it was a level of familiarity with Penn State, but I had an opportunity to you know, evaluate a lot of schools or have a lot of offers come through the door and to see the consistency from four years straight of recruiting was always something that I value. You know what I mean? I always tell recruits now, if you're going through the process before you want all the offers, make sure that you have your critique of criteria in place so that you're going to the right place for your career. Because everyone can't go to Penn State, everyone can't go to Alabama, wherever the case may be. That That's like the, that's probably the biggest thing to me is just having that criteria set, <laughs> to be honest with you. You touched on it maybe a little bit earlier, but can you talk about how hard it is to be a collegiate athlete, especially on a football team like Penn State? You've got to manage school. You've got to manage football practice. 
the overall pressure, right? You're just in the limelight, the good and the bad that comes along with that. But that can't be easy for anyone, especially someone who's 18 years old or 22 years old. No, it's not. Depending on the school, like they do a good job putting bumpers in place to make sure that you kind of have your herding cattle to place to place in an efficient way where guys have a full chance to develop off the field and on the field. But it does come down to a level of, I said it earlier, but a level of focus, right? How much does this thing matter? Because, you know, everyone sees, you get to see your upperclassmen if you're at a top program. Like every time I was at Penn State, the upperclassmen, they were going and fulfilling their dreams. If I'm watching how Tom Bahali operated, or I'm watching how Michael Robinson operated, or I'm watching how Paul Velesny operated, and Sean Lee, my teammate, like, it becomes a culture thing. That was one of the, the, the coolest things about Penn State. It wasn't really, it wasn't really cool to be like out of whack, to not have a level of structure or just be wild or not go to class. Like that wasn't like cheered on. Like you weren't like a cool guy if that happened. It was like, what are you doing? So kudos to the culture at that time. Did, did you feel the pressure at Penn State as an 18 year old? Did you feel like the weight was on your back in a lot wow. of ways? No, I wouldn't say I felt like the weight was on my back. I had a lot of that credit to my, my dad growing up. Like I said, that coach and relationship where you understand the expectation that is on you coming into a program like Penn State. When I went through my recruiting process, I sat down with the president and the athletic director talking about head coaches. I under, like, it's a business. I understood that. I, so the, I, I knew there was an expectation. I don't know if there was pressure. I understood that they were losing Right. A little bit before that, but there was an opportunity. There were good players on the team. There was an opportunity sure. to bring Penn State back to prominence, and we felt like we had the confidence, my whole freshman class, to kind of fill that gap. Fantastic! <laughs> Glad you chose Penn State as well. So, yeah. <laughs> toughest question probably of the podcast. Do you have a favorite Penn State memory? A favorite Penn State memory. It's hard to nail it down to one. I think overall. I, I, when I look back at Penn State, I think it's cool. My class's involvement in the whiteout and what it's become now, right? I look back, like the first whiteout was like my freshman year at 05 when we beat O State and like, Tom makes choice more flip and that whole thing. In junior year when Notre Dame comes in town and in the game when the interception, it's like the first full whiteout. And so now the biggest college holiday of the year when people like, oh, Beaver Stadium Whiteout. I remember I was like in the first one when Guido told us about we're going to wear all white shirts. And we're like, what? <laughs> so like looking back on it and just seeing on, on a serious note, just the macro effect of we went to Penn State, it was at a downtime and when we left those guys going to the Rose Bowl and being able to see like, all right, we came, we saw what we wanted to do and we left it in better hands, in a better place. So I think that was like the best feeling that we came and did what we said we were going to do. Excellent. Love it. One of the questions we like to ask of our guests is if you can go back and visit with yourself when you were 18 years old as a freshman, what advice would you give? Enjoy the moment. You know what I mean? Take it all in and, and, and enjoy, enjoy the unique opportunity that you have. I know I was always focused on ultra focus. I'd say about that as a benefit, but there was also sometimes I wish 
I would have took the blinders a little bit off and took in what was happening at the time. Because I look back sometimes now, like working on the other side, I was like, man, we did we did that? Like, that was cool. Oh, man, like I don't really remember my draft day, things like that. Because you're just like, oh, I stayed in the draft, I didn't do this. Or at Penn State, we lost one game to Michigan, like, oh, we were supposed to be. And like really being, like not taking it all in, like, oh, we came in third, like what? But so we, this was awesome. Like, and really like taking it all in. So enjoy the moment. And uh, yeah, that, that would be my, my biggest thing to my 18 year old. So enjoy the moment. That's what a lot of people say too. They they look back and they're like, ah, I wish I enjoyed it a little bit more or I relaxed yeah. a little bit more. So yeah. it's a common theme for any of the students listening right now. Right. Enjoy the moment. It enjoy goes by moment. way too quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you always look back and you're like, ah, I wish I enjoyed it more. So you were a recruiting coordinator. So obviously you were very focused on trying to get high school football players to come to Penn State. Right. But when you find a non-athlete who is considering Penn State, what do you tell them? Why should they go there? I talk about the community at Penn State. I think it's still a unique place for a student or non to arrive. My family, my grandfather went to Penn State, my dad went to Penn State, my wife went to Penn State. Like, I have a Penn State family, but one thing that you always see is like when, you, when younger, my younger cousins or whatever the case may be, younger relatives come up to a game or experience it. So they're kind of... Everyone falls in love with Happy Valley, like the little small town. It's an acquired taste for a lot of people. And I think if, you know, the camaraderie of the university, the great education and everything that kind of comes with it, I just tell people to go check it out, honestly. <laughs> like I say, like, make sure you go check it out. because And everyone comes back pretty happy. With their everyone, does. everyone does. <laughs> you said you met your, you, your wife went to Penn State. Did you meet her at Penn State while you were there or after? No, no, in Pittsburgh. She had, no, actually, yeah, she went to Penn State with me. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> All right, so let's end, Justin, with a popular question. You played for the late Coach Paterno. Any good Joe Paw stories or, or fun stories that you can share with us? Any funny Joe Paw stories? Uh, I was on I was on Football Letter Live and I told a story about him hitting a kicker with a bag. That was always funny. Not a funny story, but it was always a story where like he stuck up for me with Coach Tom Bradley in practice one time, and I was like, "Ah, oh, thank you." Like, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. It was I had I was being waxed days going to play, and I I had gotten beat, and whatever the situation was in practice, I remember thinking like, "Oh, it's only a 15 yard penalty. I'll take the penalty." So I like I held the guy, you know, scrapped Tom Bradley was going crazy. Ah, and just stopped. No. He was right. He was being smart. That's a 15 yards versus a touchdown. I'm like, yeah, what do you say? Like, you know what I mean? It was like the first time he like came to my defense on something. Like, <laughs> but that was probably one of the cool ones too. That's awesome. Hey, this is this has been a great 30 minutes with you. I gotta say, Joe, Coach Paterno always talked about success with honor, and that is totally you. And I think as as proud as we are of what you accomplished on the field and how you represented this university. I think we're even prouder to see what you've gone on to do and will continue to do. And certainly wish you a lot of success with uh, LIG life is good sports. And I look forward to, to following along in the journey. Awesome. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. And we always end with, we are. Lion Legacy is a Baruta production. If you enjoy this Labor of Love podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it if you would subscribe and write us a review on your favorite podcast platform.